This program is sponsored by Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts. Located on 185 Worcester Street, right on Route 9, they can be reached at 508-545-8105 or at wickedchronicvendorcommerce.com. Wicked Chronic is a boutique-style retail shop that focuses on selling counterculture products such as Wiccan cannabis cultures coming together in a unique setting. You need something for that special spell? Go on down to Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts and speak to Beverly. Tell them Dr. Chris sent you. Check them out today. Creatures lore. We're going to be talking about Yellow Fever tonight with Mel and I doing a review of the monster in question for the episode, which happens to be uh, ghost sickness and uh, about fears. But on the show with us tonight to talk a little bit about his time on Supernatural is the monster in the episode, the ghost as you would. He played the ghost in the episode, Luther. We have David Matty on the show with us. Is that how you pronounce your last name? Yep, that's exactly right. He's also a stunt actor who's been in several things, such as Angel and the Wonder Woman movie. Thank you for coming on the show with us, David. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Had you been a fan of Supernatural or seen it prior to getting that uh, job in that one episode? I had caught bits and pieces of it. I wasn't uh, I wasn't really a fan. I, uh, I had never seen and knew about and had it on my list of things to watch, but just hadn't had the time yet. You play the uh, character Luther Garland in the episode, who is this uh, big dude who kind of, you know, is, um, I don't know, how would you describe the character? Because I I don't know how to describe him without saying something probably wrong. Well, yeah, he's uh, he's a big dude, um, and he's a little bit slow, and uh, because of that, uh, the the people that interact with him, the people in the town... uh, they, they automatically, just him being a little strange, a little different, and being so big, uh, they automatically have a, a negative reaction to him. And then in the course of the uh, course of the episode, you find out that uh, he pretty much has one friend. Um, and uh, her husband, uh, she was missing, and her husband is just one of the And uh, he exacts his revenge. Uh, and it turns out Luther had nothing to do with it. He was just a big, sweet guy who liked to draw and, you know, wasn't just different. That's what led to his untimely demise. It kind of reminds me of the movie Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Have you ever seen that? Wow, no, I haven't. It's a made-for-TV movie that came out on Blu-ray in the 2000s. Uh, a lot of people have always been looking for it. It, it never had a DVD release. So it had like a, uh, a, a very rare VHS uh, tape 
but years later, it finally came out on Blu-ray. It stars the actor who was the villain in uh, the Darkman movies, um, who okay. plays, again, the same kind of thing. He was a man-child, simpleton, you know, probably mental retardation, and uh, a young girl is found uh, possibly dead that he was always playing with, but uh, the local um, postmaster, don't, not the local sheriff, but the local postmaster, rallies up a posse, strings him up like a scarecrow, and kills him. But the girl is perfectly fine. She was just um, knocked unconscious, and not by his hand, as she says. He saved her. And then, of course, a few months later, uh, they start seeing the scarecrow that they killed him in around town, and one by one, the people that killed him get, uh, die. It's good that they uh, that he gets a little bit of uh, a vengeance in that case, and in the case of Luther, it's unfortunate he gets uh, he basically gets has to be scared to death twice. Right, Mel, did you have any? Did you have a question for David? Uh, I sure do. What was it like behind the scenes? Oh, it was awesome. Um, we shot in Canada in Vancouver, and uh, my first day there. Um, I uh, got the set, went into the makeup room. They made me look all ghostly. Then we went out to do... The first thing we did was the last thing uh, that you see of my character, which was the car drag. We were getting set up for that. And the stunt coordinator uh, basically was talking to the driver, saying, okay, so I want you to keep it under 50. And I, my brain was like, what? I mean, you know, that's, that's way faster than we do stuff like that in the States. And I was like, whoa, hang on, what? And he's like, well, I mean, you know, keep it under 50. I mean, you, you know. And I was like, what? No, that's, that's way too fast. And then all of a sudden, one of the guys in my brain pointed out, oh, wait, metric system. And I was like, oh, kilometers per hour. And they were like, yeah. And I was like, okay, oh, that's, that that's 30. That's way better. <laughs> so, uh, so I was like, all right, okay, good. Now we're good. And uh, so we, they had this uh, sort of a sled for my back that uh, they strapped me on. And um, uh, I had brand new boots on. And what I had to do was, as I'm sliding behind the car, I had to steer with my heels. And uh, by the time we got done, we traveled uh, about three-quarters of a mile doing multiple takes. And uh, when I went to stand up after it all, I fell backwards because the heels were gone. I basically filed them off at about a 45-degree angle. So, uh, But it was, uh, it was a super fun set. Um, it was uh, just everybody was... Uh, was just a, just a whole lot of fun to work with, and uh, you know the stuff we were doing was a blast. Um, I've got I was there for a week, and I've got I've got tons of stories. How much time do you get? Is, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know the the end of the first day, I was in the makeup uh, in the makeup room getting my or the makeup trailer getting the makeup taken off, and uh, one of the PAs came in, and he pointed at everyone in turn and went, Stella, 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 Stella. And he points at me and says, Stella. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> and, the, and the makeup artist who was doing my makeup said, uh, Stella, Stella. And he's like, okay, Stella, Stella. And he leaves. And I was like, what, 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 is, what does that mean? And uh, he came back with Stella Atoir beer for everyone. So everyone got a beer and they had two for me. Oh. And I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I like shooting in Canada. So yeah, it was a, it was a whole lot of fun. How was it beating up on Jared and Jensen? Oh, it was a blast. Um, <laughs> much of a swat at Jensen because um, he was running away most of that episode, but um, but he was he was fun to to play with. Uh, and then Jared was uh, 
he's he's about I think he's six five, six four, six five, something like that. Wow, yeah, that's so, right. That's why he's called Moose. <laughs> yeah. So he's used to being the biggest guy on set. And uh the crew loved the fact that I was bigger than him. I mean, I'm six ten, so uh you know and so I was considerably larger than him and uh the crew was like trying to slip me money to like really uh <laughs> really uh put a hurting on him a little bit. And um <laughs> When we went to shoot the beginning of the the fight, he was standing there looking at me, and uh, he kind of kind of taken a minute. He looked kind of confused, and he went, "Um," and I was like, "What's up?" And he goes, "Are you wearing shoulder pads?" And I said, "No." And he was like, <laughs> "Oh boy." <laughs> so so right out of the gate, he was really used to being the biggest guy. All of a sudden, you know, there's me and. Uh, you know, when we got into the fight, they had this whole thing rigged where at one point they'd, we were going to stop and they were going to attach a line to his ankle and they were going to use the uh, a line going around a shiv and some people to pull him across the floor as I was grabbing him by the leg. Okay. So, yeah, so Jared was very surprised that he's normal. He's used to being the biggest guy on set. And, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm quite a bit bigger than him, so he was a bit taken aback by that. Um, and then we were doing this bit where he's my character pulls him across the floor and they had a whole rig set up where they were going to attach a line to his ankle and pull him just as they're starting to get this set up I said well can we just do this and I grabbed his ankle and sort of dragged him across the set and uh, they were like yeah let's do that and uh, we didn't have to do any of the setup. I just boosted him across the set and he uh, was like oh god just I mean like <laughs> It was funny for me to see him reacting to the fact that, uh, you know, I I could just toss him around and do everything to him. He knew that it, it, there was a good-natured thing about it, but, it, but at the same time, he was sort of like, oh, boy. But the crew was hysterical about it. They loved it. They thought it was the best thing ever. Um, just, uh, just watching me moose him around, they thought that was great. It's <laughs> hilarious. Your character also reminded me a lot of, of course, this goes without saying, uh, of Mice and Men. Yep, definitely. Uh, because the same, that exact same thing did happen in Mice and Men. The girl, except for I think the wife was killed by Lenny. Um, right. You know, and then uh, that just, I wouldn't say justified, but you know what I mean, the, the posse against him uh, going after him. And then, of course, his, uh, his buddy has to be the one to put him down. It, it, it's, it's really kind of sad. And uh, did you know anything about ghost sickness or anything about ghost or the supernatural in general before doing this part? Not, I knew nothing about ghost sickness. Um, I, you know, I, I, I knew, um, you know, just a, just nothing, nothing um, specific or you know scientific or any other thing. It was, uh, we had we had friends who uh, had a place that was haunted when we were kids and that kind of thing, and so. Um, you know that that was about the extent of what I knew was uh, just you know goofing around kid stuff, but um, but yeah, so I, I had no idea about the ghost sickness, um, but uh, yeah, it was it was uh, it was yeah it was unfortunate that it's it's that different from Lenny's. Uh, I mean, Lenny earned as you said it's, it's to to reduce it to its um, its basic level. Lenny earned the fact that he had to be killed because he accidentally killed someone, and uh, in the case of Luther, that never happened. And so. Luther is just the victim in the whole thing. I said I agree. The bit where we uh, we shot the actual being dragged, not not the second time, but the uh, <laughs> your the first death. Killed. Yes, the first death. Um, 
that was uh, that was a bit of uh, an interesting uh, bit too, because the guy who was playing Frank, the uh, the husband who kills me, he was uh, you know he wasn't a stunt guy. He was an extra who uh, you know had the right look for what they were doing, and so and basically the scene said uh, he shoves me with his gun and then hits me uh, or he shoves me down to my knees uh, and then hits me with the butt of the gun. You know, him not being a stunt guy, he was very tentative, and I was like, I was the the stunt coordinator, Lou, and I were both talking to him and trying to get him a little more comfortable with the idea of actually, you know, giving me some contact. And, um, you know, a- after re- a few rehearsals and everything, he was starting to get the hang of it. And I said, look, you know, you, you really got to shove me because if you don't and I stumble, it's going to look really weird. It's going to make you look like a superhero. And uh, so you can really give me a shot. It's going to, you know, I'll be fine. And then uh, when we get to the point where you're supposed to throw me to the ground or shove me to the ground, that's, there's no way that's going to happen. I said, but what you can do is, like, step on the back of my calf, basically, and it'll look like you kick me behind the knee, and I'll drop to my knees, and we'll go from there. We, you know, figured out the, the steps for this, and then we were shooting it MOS, so there's no sound being recorded, so I can say whatever I want. So the whole time, I was uh, basically giving him words of encouragement you know, without moving my lips, so you could you couldn't see it. But I was, he'd give me a shove, and I'd be like, "Atta boy!" <laughs> and uh, the uh, the third take, you know, each time you'd get a little more into it, a little more aggressive, and it was looking better and better. So the third take, um, we come out, and he's shoving me with a gun, and we get to the part, and he kicks me in the knee, and I go down. I was like, "Wow, that was great!" And as soon as I hit the ground, I come back up and turn to see the the butt of the gun coming in. And as it comes in, I, as soon as I looked, I went, uh-oh. And he did not miss me with the gun, but um, he actually caught me in the side of the, right in the cheek. The good part is I saw it coming, and I was able to roll with it, and I was rolling anyway. If you actually look at that scene, that's the take they used. Um, and uh, when they called cut, uh, one of the crew said, did he hit him in the shoulder? And the, the stunt coordinator said, no. And I sat up, and the entire crew went, oh, because they saw this big red mark on the side of my face. Um, and I turned around, and the guy was gone. And I was like, what, what happened? At the, uh, I th- I'm pretty sure it's in, the, in the, the final version of it. If you go frame by frame at the end, he's coming in looking all aggressive, and as he throws the shot with the gu- butt of the gun, he's all like, Rah! And then at one point, all of a sudden, his face starts to change from this aggressive glare to like, Oh no, he's gonna kill me! And <laughs> that's right as he makes contact, he realized he actually made contact. And uh, he basically um, put the gun down and ran away because he thought I was just gonna get up and, you know, bite his head off and chew him up into small bits. <laughs> but, but, you know, it was like, it, it all worked out. It's all good. Quick thing, David. I saw that you were on Angel, which is a huge favorite show of mine. Of course, off the air, we talked about the, the BS of uh, Angel's uh, <laughs> never getting an HD release. But I didn't realize who you played on Angel. You played the hulked-out version of Lorne? Yep, that's correct. That is awesome. I remember that episode. That was hilarious, because Lorne is a uh, such a sweet character, and, and it, it sucks that we've lost the actor who played him as well. Uh, yeah, what what, uh, what was that like? It was a blast. I mean, Andy Hallett, who played Lauren, was he was just a super nice guy, super sweet. That was a really we did that whole my whole piece of that episode in one really really long day. Um, I I want to say by the time we were done, it was eighteen hours. So we shot the uh, the entire scene. It was the the whole the whole shoot was a whole lot of fun. Andy was a super sweet guy. Um, 
and uh, and everyone on set was a blast. Um, and it was a really really long day. It was about an 18 hour day, I think, when it was all said and done. You know, it was it's, we started off with a jump off the balcony. Um, we pretty much shot it in order. And uh, when we were rehearsing for uh, the big fight that we had, right out of the gate, uh, the guy, uh, one of the doubles, is a good friend of mine, Damien. And uh, and so Damien was uh, coming in. He comes in from behind me with a um, he uh, he uh, doubles August, and uh, he comes running in with a statue, and he hits me in the back with it. Now I've got this whole muscle suit on and you know I've got tons of prosthetics and so I'm completely padded and so when he comes in he really gives me a nice solid shot and I was like oh cool you know my bud's giving me some good you know some good solid contact it's going to look great and I turn around and then the next move is I swing at him and he ducks and then I grab the back of his head and I throw him and he does a front flip and lands on his back you know, when he hit me, I was like, oh, yeah, all right, Damien. And I grab him by the swing, and he ducks, and I grab him by the back of the head, and I chucked him. I mean, I got him off the ground, and uh, he did a slip and landed, and we finished, and they pulled cut, and they said, uh, hey, uh, Dave, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, why wouldn't I be? <laughs> and what happened was when he came with the, when he was coming at me with the, the statue, he's running from the carpet onto the dance floor, and the dance floor was slick. And so when he landed on the dance floor, he just slid out of control and slammed into me. So I thought he was giving me solid contact, and in fact, he was just falling. And then I was like, oh, God, I threw him. And he was like, dude, it helped me get over. It was great. And so the entire day became stunt guys just having and, – and everyone else on set was like, I want to get in on this. So all the stunt guys, we just had just a stupid amount of fun really going at it and really uh, really uh, having a blast. Uh, it, was, it was a tremendously fun day. Yeah, it was it was really cool. And then uh, David Boreanaz, uh, he um, he's a he's a prankster. And so we had a break at one point, and we chatted a little bit. And it was the part where he's laying flat on his back, and I'm throwing shots and basically punching him in the body. And uh, just before we shoot, I'm standing over him, and he goes, "So Virginia Tech, huh?" But he waited until cameras were rolling and sound was rolling so he completely caught me, caught me off guard with a question because that's where I went to college he said it in exactly the, the perfect time to mess with someone um, because I'm supposed to be big and scary and I was like huh? the, the whole shoot was a tremendous amount of fun where can people find you online if they want to uh, compliment you on anything that you've done or reach out to you do you have any uh, Instagram or anything like that yep I'm on Instagram and Twitter at uh, at Big Dave Maddie uh, at Big Dave Maddie, and uh, if you go to davidmaddie.com, I have links to all those different things where people can find me. Awesome, good to know because I've just found you on Facebook. <laughs> I, I was just like, all right, this is gonna be him. He looks huge, so thank you for coming on the show with us, David. My pleasure. Thanks, Thanks for having thank me. So much. And tonight we are talking about the episode Yellow Fever. The music you just heard is by Survivor's Eye of the Tiger probably most uh, closely associated with the Rocky franchise, of course, because, uh, you know, what was uh, that was the line that was said to Rocky by his trainer, you got the eye of a tiger, Rocky. That's my husband's favorite movie. What, Rocky Three, the one where he fights uh, Mr. T? I think the first one, actually. I am in the middle of watching, um, sorry, I'm, I'm just about to start watching, uh, and I haven't watched it in years. Have you ever seen G.I. Joe the movie? The animated movie. 
I don't think that I have. It came out in 1987, right after the Transformers movie and My Little Pony the movie, which were both box office disasters. So they decided to do, uh, put G.I. Joe the movie directly on VHS and direct on TV. And I remember seeing it as a child and being blown away by the animation because they used a Japanese anime studios called Madhouse in order to animate it, which is currently animating the Castlevania and Masters of the Universe cartoon series, as well as a certain um, borderline hentai cartoon that Mel and I uh, reviewed. <laughs> and in the movie, G.I. Joe um, and Cobra uh, discover the origins of Cobra, and it goes back to an ancient civilization in the Himalayas that existed before mankind. And the leader of uh, Cobra was Galobulus, voiced by Burgess Meredith um, in from Rocky. Huh. And Burgess Meredith would play Galobulus, and it's revealed that he uh, there was a young scientist nobleman who he took under his wing as his apprentice and sent him out into the world to conquer man's world. Of course, for some reason, he waited until, like, the 20th century, the 1980s, when an elite military secret organization known as G.I. Joe was around to defend uh, America's freedoms. But the first ten minutes, the first three minutes of the movie have one of the best opening sequences of any of uh, G.I. Joe cartoons, which I'll send you a clip of uh, later on, Mel. Awesome. But Burgess Meredith is that, and of course, Eye of the Tiger. And I always, I always just connect those things together. Now I associate it with Supernatural as well. And yes. uh, that's my tangent for the episode, because one of the bad reviews that we got on iTunes was, too many tangents, and they talk about all this other crap, and they don't know what they're talking about. I'm so angry, <laughs> I just want to go online and make bad reviews about everything. Um, did you know, by the way, that iTunes will take your I- podcast off or, like, flag your... I- if your ratings drop below a certain number? I had no idea, actually. Yeah, someone told me it's like in the twos, so we're at like 4.2 right now, but uh, if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, don't leave it based on what we go on a tangent, because then you've never listened to a podcast before, and podcasts are famous for tangents, because you can kind of get away with whatever the fuck you want to say in a podcast, which is the whole purpose of a podcast. I'm just- the, the point of the podcast, thing. otherwise people would want to research themselves, right? Or the fact that it's uh, the biggest form of freedom of speech, I think, on the planet, because the FCC regulates shows like, you know, on the radio, such as Radio of Horror, and they we have to um, adhere to certain types of things, whereas on a podcast, you can get away with murder. You want to be a racist on a podcast? You be a racist on a podcast. I don't know who's going to listen to it, but there's podcasts out okay. there that are both left and right wing, so... I personally can't read reviews. I've read way too many reviews as an actress, and (laughs) I have felt so disheartened that, you know, not quite to the point where I consider ending my career, but like, ouch, man, lackluster leading lady, fuck you, dude. I think sometimes it's not always about the actresses, it's sometimes about the movies they're in. Uh, I I get, people go personal sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, like, for instance... What, what's the Hillbilly movie, the, the Cabin in the Woods movie you did? Camp Blood 7? Uh, no. no. No, it's the one that's got the sequel out now, now that you're in for, for, like, a cameo because you were in the previous movie. Dead Woman's Hollow. That's what it is. Okay, so I like that movie more than I like the werewolf movie you did. Because I think the werewolf movie was... I, 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 that was something. <laughs> I liked it. Camp Hollow or the werewolf movie? I like all of them. <laughs> There's got to be a movie you don't like that you were in. Oh, uh, yeah. We won't hurt any feelings, though. 
<laughs> I'm sure they don't listen to this podcast. It's okay. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about ghost sickness and fears. We're going to combine the two together because there's not a lot of information about ghost sickness out there. And the information is pretty much the same on every single website. Um, but Mel has the plot synopsis for Yellow Fever for us. Yellow Fever. Supernatural Season 4, Episode 6. Sam and Dean visit a small Colorado town where a mysterious sickness is killing residents. The victims appear to have died of fright. And when Dean becomes infected, Sam and Bobby must move fast to save him. Came out October 23rd, 2008. Yes, and one of the best things in the episode is this clip right here. Scared by a Cat is absolutely hilarious. It's the best part of the whole episode. So in the ancient words of Mesopotamia, Egypt, Greece, Rome, China, India, people believed a soul that survived death. The belief was, however, that the souls were to stay in the afterlife and not return to Earth. Occasionally a ghost might return if the gods allowed it, but the most frequent reason for a ghost's return would be due to improper burial practices. Having a ghost appear before you was never thought of as a good thing. It's a culturally related grief disorder involving a ghost. It's been found in Native American groups, and the Navajo people believe the ghost sickness is caused by the spirit of the dead attaching to a living person, usually a family member, and attachment causes harm to the person by draining his or her energy. In the case of Supernatural, it seems to make people basically uh, have, like, heart attacks. And this is a ghost that's out for revenge, basically. He's like a um, Lenny from um, A Mice and Men kind of ghost, because he was... That kind, they portray the actor in that way who plays the ghost. Didn't you kind of feel that way, or have you ever actually seen *Of Mice and Men*, like the Gary Sinise, uh, John Malkovich version? But I know the full plot synopsis of it, and I would have to agree from what I know of the book. David Matty, Matty, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but he played uh, Luther in it. His IMDb photo has him with like completely bald head, but a huge beard, so it's like the hair went upside down. But he's been in several productions and still currently working today. He was recently on Better Call Saul. Oh, wow. Um, he was also in Ghosted and uh, Hancock and The Spy Next Door, playing usually playing, like, big guys. Mountain Man, Man Mountain, Slaughtermaster, Russian Thug, The Mechanic. Obviously fitting to his stature. Um, some of his photos make him look like a very nice, lovable gentleman, but obviously he is towering a foot above certain people that that's the role he's going to be cast in. And if he's still doing that today and that's his acting credits, more power to him because it's obviously paying his mortgage. I feel that. Some other tidbits about um, this episode are Dean refuses donuts in this episode and the only time he ever, ever refuses food is when something is seriously wrong with him. 
what other information do we have about ghost sickness before we get into some of the fears in the episode? Now, we're not going to bag down the episode today with uh, every single fear imaginable, because there's a ton out there. But we will talk about some of the fears that Dean happens to exhibit and what they are, and discuss our own fears as well and what some things that we're afraid of. But go ahead with your own thoughts on ghost sickness, Mel. Okay, so when I was researching ghost sickness, I couldn't find too much outside of what you've already touched, except for I found several Japanese websites, considering, you know, I'm here in Japan, and it, it takes into account your location when you search things, but I could not translate pretty much all of it. <laughs> but there definitely is some lore to ghost sickness here. The Japanese websites that I couldn't translate, and pretty much word for word what oh, we've already Oh, okay, gotcha. Other things I found about ghostlessness is there is a variety of mainstream psychological theories that um, states that the spirit of ghosts viewed as being directly or indirectly linked to a cause and event or accident may cause someone to have the sickness associated with it and involve um, sometimes ancestral pain or death or maybe the murder of somebody that wasn't supposed to die, as in the case of Luther. So it seems as though Supernatural definitely takes uh, a lot of the lore from real-life ghost sickness to put it into the episode and not change it around and mix it up like they normally do. I thought that ghost sickness was a completely made-up thing until we started researching for this episode. I thought that, you know, it was some silly little thing that Supernatural does, but it seems like they always really put a lot of thought into the creatures and lore of their episodes. It's crazy cool. Apparently, the Navajo tribe would have to perform multiple ceremonies in order to eliminate the all-consuming thoughts of the dead from people, which can cause ghost sickness. But um, it's like, okay, so what do they do? Uh, uh, what was that name of that Jim Carrey movie where he eliminates the, the memory of his girlfriend? I don't think I've seen that one. Something of a spotless mind. Um, he does an experiment on himself to wipe out the memory of his girlfriend after she breaks up with him. It's considered, like, one of oh. his best roles. I'll need to check that out. Yeah, definitely. Now, in the episode, Dean has a fear of cats, and the fear of cats is, and I'm going to mispronounce this, uh, auroraphobia, auroraphobia, it's an intense fear of cats. Huh. And it's also another name for felinophobia, which would make more sense and easier to pronounce. Way easier. Um, I don't know why people would be afraid of cats. I get the fear of dogs, but some people have told me whatever that wouldn't date me because I had a cat. Huh. That's interesting. I've had problems with cats, but I'm not afraid of cats. I had a friend of mine tell me, uh, is actually a girl I dated, she had a cat, and as we're like sitting there and I'm stroking the cat and we're watching a horror movie, she says, you want to hear something about that cat? I was like, what? She's like, it was my neighbor's cat. She lived downstairs. We hadn't heard anything from the neighbor for a week, and the landlord went to investigate a smell. The woman died of a heart attack. The cat had eaten half her hand. Oh, my God. And drank that all the water out of the toilet. If I saw that. And I was just like, are you serious? I stopped petting the cat and pushed it away. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, got a taste for human flesh at that point. Yeah. So later on, when I went to adopt the cat, she was like, I'm shocked you want to adopt the cat after the experience you had with mine. I'm like, your cat has eaten people. <laughs> yeah. I have some interesting facts about fear and phobia. And then she threw um, in a joke about oral sex after that, but I wasn't gonna, I'm not going to repeat that <laughs> on the podcast. Go ahead. So I didn't realize that fear and phobia are not the same thing. Just because you panic because you see a spider doesn't mean that you have arachnophobia. Um, phobias may be passed through DNA. There, there are actually studies out there seeing if... Um, you can pass a phobia through your genes, which is a crazy thought. Eventually, everybody's going to be afraid of everything, right? 
that's the first one I've ever heard of that. It's considered that most likely what turns a fear into a phobia is traumatic experiences and events that usually occur in childhood, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, Dean also doesn't want to cross the uh, walk down the street where there's some kids, and he's just like, I don't like to look at those kids as they cross the street to get to the Impala. And apparently, the fear of kids is pedopho- pedophobia, which <laughs> more sounds like the fear of pedophiles, but that's okay. Right? What pedophobia? I don't know. The the names for phobias are really strange. Like the fear of really long words is like a super long word for a phobia. Only to make matters worse. What else do we see Dean afraid of in this episode? And if you're wondering why we're not doing a ghost revenge story or covering revenge of ghosts, we've kind of done that excessively in other episodes of this podcast. You can go back and look. If there's a favorite episode of yours that's probably in seasons one, two, or three that it has involving a ghost and revenge, we probably have covered it. So, But go on with, the, my, with what I asked. Definitely ghosts, considering that he's like, who does that? <laughs> And then, of course, he starts, like, spilling the beans about, like, we're the, the, we might not even be real FBI agents. <laughs> Coping with uh, phasmophobia is the fear of ghosts. Uh, sorry, yeah, phasmophobia is the fear of ghosts, which I don't believe in ghosts, so I'm not afraid of ghosts. I don't know if I'm afraid of ghosts. Have you ever seen a ghost? Have you actually encountered a ghost? I've physically encountered one in a way. Um, it spooked me, but I don't think I have an actual fear of them. It was the Holy Spirit, and that's who your son is, right? Of course. Yes. So phasmophobia and spectrophobia definitely sound in line with, like, phasma, fat, fat, fant- you know, like a phantasm, a phantom, specter, specters, you know, that's another name for ghosts as well. People associate the fear of ghosts with the fear of the dark which I get being afraid of the dark. You don't know what's in the darkness. If you can't see it, it may kill you. Don't say anything because that noise. What else is something Dean afraid of in this episode? Pretty much everything. Oh, a dog, right? What's the fear of dogs? I'm not sure. Because the episode opens up with him running from a um, uh, a shih tzu? Some sort of little toy thing. Yeah, something you'd put in your pocketbook. A female shih tzu of some kind. Hence the pink ribbon in the hair. Phobia? Yes, it's a Greek word. Apparently a lot of uh, fear words are Greek. Makes sense. I said uh, it makes sense with the way some of these things are spelled. What is something you're afraid of, Mel? Um, I have a type of autophobia. There are many types of autophobia. It's the fear of being alone, but more specifically, I have the fear of dying alone. Oh, I have the exact, that's exactly what I'm afraid of, too. I'm afraid of really? dying alone, and someone's like, but you have a son, you'll never die alone. I'm like, shut up, that's not, that's not the same fucking thing at all, in any way, shape, or form. Right. My son will grow up and start his own family and move on or whatever. I will be in his life, but that's not the same thing. That's, that's, that's not companionship. That's what I'm talking right. about. Uh, so you're afraid your husband would leave you? No, not specifically that, but... Um, but he is in the military, so I, there is also that danger, too. Yeah, um, I think that I've always sort of had that fear, and because I have that fear, I spent all those days by my mother's bedside sort of hoping for the best but expecting the worst so that she wouldn't have to die alone. Uh, Well, we all know what happened with that situation, unfortunately, so I understand why that probably became even more of your greatest fear after the events surrounding uh, your mother and father. Yeah, but I, I was at least in the room you know, holding her hand when she died. Oh, you were? 
I didn't know. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought maybe you found out about it afterwards, and then everything was already DOA. No, I was uh, I was there the whole time until she died because I I didn't want that to happen. Yikes! Why are you not in therapy? <laughs> I was for two and a half years, and I'm heavily medicated. <laughs> okay. Wow. So yeah, that is my biggest fear too: dying alone, uh, dying, um, not dying as much as dying alone. Now, as I don't have a fear of heights, but I do not like ladders. But I don't have a fear of ladders. I just don't think ladders are very sturdy. But I don't really have a fear of heights, per se. It's just like I don't like being on something that's not secure, which is not so much a fear. That's just like I don't want to fall and get hurt, you know, or horribly injured for the rest of my life. That's not a, like I'm right. afraid. Like I'll get up someplace high. I don't care. I've been in airplanes. I've been in hot air balloons. I've been I've been some high places. Um, I wouldn't go skydiving ever again. I did not enjoy that. Uh, so it's not quite a phobia, but it is a fear. Right. So it's definitely a a matter of the psychologicalness of what I'm dealing with. So um, I just don't want to get hurt. So maybe I'm overly safety conscious sometimes but I'm not advert to taking a risk as long as I know there is safety in place. So that's different than being afraid of heights. Um, but I am curious, I'm going to look it up right now, um, just out of what what is called fear of heights, and then fear of, there's got to be fear of ladders too. Fear of heights is uh, acrophobia, and which makes sense considering it probably comes from, like we're acro, you know, the name acrobats. And then that makes sense. There is a genuine fear of climbing ladders, stairs, rock walls, or other objects. Believe it or not, this fear is actually has a name, uh, climophobia. Climophobia. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think the most most well known phobia name has to be arachnophobia, and that has to do with the Hollywood movie over thirty, which is uh, by the way, thirtieth anniversary this year. Ah. Huh. John Goodman starred in that movie as the exterminator of the uh, spiders. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely a good movie. Well, that's all the notes I have here about ghost sickness and fears and phobias. Uh, there are episodes of Supernatural that cover uh, phobias and fears. I'm going to just... Yep. Uh, okay, so obviously there's also the... Um, what is Sam Winchester afraid of? Coral phobia. Yes. Cool, cool phobia. Right, which fear is the clowns. fear of clowns, which we I think we did a clown episode, I believe, correct? I think we have. Yeah. I they, do want to... Yeah, one because more thing. in season two, in season two, that's when we learn about uh, Sam's fear of clowns. So we definitely have yeah. covered it. Yeah, and you were here for all of season two. <clears throat> there, there is one movie in particular. There's two movies in particular I would never recommend to anybody because they actually make clowns genuinely scary, not slapstick ridiculous scary. Terrifier in the movie Clown uh, by Eli Roth, which uh, reveals that clown is actually the demonic word for clone. Huh. Guy buys a uh, clown costume to go to his kid's birthday party, puts it on, and it's actually the skin suit of a demon, and it slowly starts transforming him. That sounds amazing. Kind of reminds me of a movie starring Tim Allen. Body horror, but for Disney kids. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that Jim Beaver is actually fluent in Japanese? Yeah, Jim Beaver, Bobby, uh, shows up in this episode. Uh, no, I didn't, but I should have known that because have you ever read Bobby's journal? I have not. You need to go buy Bobby's journal because it goes coincides with what you're about to tell me. It's actually the story of Bobby's, uh, the death of Bobby's wife and how he meets Rufus, the case that Bobby and Rufus broke up their friendship about, 
and uh, Bobby and Rufus fighting a Japanese demon turtle creature. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I need to buy that and check it out. Yes, definitely. Yeah. The Bobby when the Bobby the Bobby Bobby the Bobby Journal, whatever it's called. I definitely recommend it alongside the uh, Journal of John Winchester, which I always take out to watch with an episode that references the journal because it's a uh, great guidebook and it's also its own kind of prelude to the entire show because it takes place up to the point that he disappears on Dean in episode one. <clears throat> yeah. In this episode, um, they ask him if he can translate or speak Japanese and he replies, Kimiga umameru mae kara zuto dayo, which translates directly to something similar to since before you were born to Sam. Well, that's all the notes I have as well. And great, interesting fact about Bobby. Uh, you can find us on the Supernatural Creatures Lore Facebook group. I will try to get the Twitter back up and running at some point. I know I've been saying that for a while. Um, I need to get the login information reset and everything. Uh, but you can find us on our own individual Twitters at Chris D S A V And Mel Heflin, M-E-L-H-E-F-L-I-N. Why don't you translate that for our Japanese listeners in, Jap- in Japanese? <laughs> It translates a little differently, but yeah. No, I mean, everything I just said, say it in Japanese. Go ahead, go. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find all the episodes on RadioHorror.com. Please leave us a rating on iTunes at Supernatural Creatures and Lore. If you have comments or questions about the show, please remember we are not experts in this field of Supernatural Creatures and Lore, factoids of fictional characters and made-up things. Whether you believe in this stuff or not, it's all based on somebody else's writing. So we get it from a variety of sources and information on the internet or guests that we've had on the show. If you'd like to send us an email, do so at at gmail.com. We will read your letter on the mail. Thank you very much. Tune in in a couple weeks for the next exciting episode of Supernatural Creatures and Lore. Bye, everybody. In the shadows you can hear the sound, the rumble of Banshee, it's terror, the wind go. You also can't see it.